All right, we're in the middle of a series called Creativity Unlocked. Creativity Unlocked. And this series is really a campaign for unused creativity. There's creativity in each and every one of us, and a lot of it is dormant right now. So this campaign is there to unlock it. Right now, what I want you to say is, I am creative. I am creative. That's a declaration because yes, you are. You are creative. You may not be able to sing, dance, paint or think, but we have creative potential within us. And we owe it to ourselves to see where we'd be if we could tap into that undiscovered potential. The potential in your life is huge. You've got God living on the inside of you, a creative God, a powerful God who wants to work in you and wants to work through your life. And I believe in the season we need to unlock that potential that's within us. I love the words that Paul said to Timothy and in 2 Timothy, and we've read this verse before, but 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, always remember. If you sit next to somebody, just look them in the eye and say, always remember. Always remember what? That Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, was raised from the dead. Always remember that He didn't just die on a cross, He rose again. He overcame sin and death once and for all. You know, I wonder whether things would change if we looked at our situation and our circumstance through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because that power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Lives within us, that's right, lives within us and gives life to our mortal body. Always remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and, and, suffering and have been chained like a criminal. So he's in prison. But I love this. But the Word of God cannot be chained. Here Paul was in a prison, but he had an understanding that the Word of God could not be chained. And he says, so I'm willing to endure anything, anything. I wonder how much we're willing to endure in this season. He says, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to, to those God has chosen. In the season, I really believe it's important that we get the right focus. It's so easy to lose perspective. It's so, it's so easy to lose our, our, our focus. And I love the words of Paul here because they bring focus to what we should be putting our attention on and giving our attention to. You know, here, you know, is a word. He was in chain. He was in prison. He could be just complaining about his natural situation. But I love the fact that he was able to look beyond that natural situation and see that the Word of God was not being chained. And that his suffering, even what he was going through, you know, God had a bigger purpose attached to it. There's a, there's a lot of things in this world right now that can divide us, can, that can isolate us and upset us. And it's so easy to lose perspective. In fact, it's so easy to, you know, pour all our attention into a sideshow. And, and, and we do that. In doing that, we miss the main event. I, I want to say in the season, and I want to speak to the church as a whole, because I want us to know that division is the greatest enemy in the season. That's right, division in the church, division in the world. Division, the enemy's trying to fracture, he's trying to separate, he's trying to divide. Division is our greatest enemy in this, 
season. In fact, the main weapon that the enemy has outside of willful sin is to sow discord, is to get us divided. So that means you and I need to be aware of that and make sure that we're, we're not focused on the things that divide us, but we unite together. See, we all have opinions. I have a lot of opinions and a lot of views. You know, I'm sure in your household, you have family members who are very opinionated about the government. There's opinions and there can even be differences of opinions in marriages and households. You know, what should be happening, what shouldn't be happening. But I want to say, let's make sure that we don't do long-term damage in our relationships because we're dealing or we're wrestling with short-term answers and remedies. I'll say that again. Let's make sure that we don't do long-term damage in our relationships because we're searching and we're looking for short-term answers and remedies to our current crisis. I want to say, as the, the famous words go, this shall pass. This too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but guess what? It's going to pass. And there's going to come a time and a day that we'll look back on the season. And let's make sure we don't look back with regret because we've damaged some relationships. I want to say, let's stay united. And I want to encourage you, you know, in the season, not to live in reaction. You know, our moods, our hope, our, even the way that we demonstrate our love can be determined by what's going on around us. But we serve a God who doesn't want us to live in reaction, you know, a reaction to a post on social media. Sometimes somebody sees a post and they think, man, I've got to reply to that post. I like what Tim Keller said. He said, in all his scrolling through social media, he's never seen two opposing views come closer together as a result of a conversation or a debate that's happened on social media. So maybe if you see a post that you don't agree with, the best thing you can do is actually just stay silent. You know, let's not be people who react to government announcements, no matter how much it annoys you or affects you. Let's not react. Let's, let's search for answers in the season. You know, let's not people, uh, be people who react to a friend or a family member's decision. You know, how they decide. Let's make sure that, that we're pre, uh, proactive. See, in, in a lot of places, reacting puts you on the back foot. And I've taught my daughters growing up, and in fact, I use this statement quite often around our houses. Here's the thing. A reaction to an error will always cause a bigger error. And sometimes we justify our response or our reaction because we're reacting to somebody else's behaviour. Let's not live in a place where we react. Let's respond in a godly way with love. Let's respond with our focus set on the main thing. Let's not get distracted by the sideshow. Come on, there's a main event. And right now, I believe the message of Jesus needs to be preached stronger and clearer than it's ever been preached before. Let's not react from our flesh, but let's dig deeper and, and find the answers that we need. And those answers are found in the Spirit. Yeah, let, let's have conversations. I'm not saying let's avoid the situation. Let's have conversations, but let's make sure that we're not just speaking all the time. Let's make sure that we're listening and we're hearing and we're loving people. 
I, I really believe right now it's important to acknowledge the pain, the loss and the anxiety that people are experiencing in the season. For many people, this is tough. This is rough. And maybe you're going through a tough time right now. I want to say as a church, we are praying with you. We're, we're standing with you and we're believing for answers. And I know there's some suffering out there right now. But I love this quote again from Tim Keller who says, suffering can make you lonely or it can drive you deeper into community. Let it be the latter. So whatever you're going through, you have a decision to make. Suffering can make you lonely or it can drive you deeper into community. Let's be people who choose the positive response because in God, there's always a way through this and there's always a way out. And I, I, I wanna challenge us as a church because I believe the focus of the church, the focus of the church needs to be always on multiplying ministry and winning the loss. We're called Equippers Church because our role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now people say, oh, I'm not in ministry. You know, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher. No, we're all in ministry. Do you know what ministry means? Ministry simply means to serve, to serve. And guess what? Serving's not beyond anyone. We all can serve. See, what the enemy would do in a lot of places is he would have us subscribe to any other picture of church that doesn't involve our involvement or our participation. It's like, well, the church is those people out there, they, they do it all and we just go with the flow. No, God, Jesus came and died for a church that's fully mobilized, active, that's a participator in the community, that serves and loves the people that God's put around them. And yes, gathering together is important. I believe we need to fight to be together, but also, you know, in the season where we can't be physically together, we need to fight to mobilize every believer. I remember a prophecy somebody gave me years ago. But he says, I see a bodybuilder. And he said, the problem with this bodybuilder though is they've got a, a big upper body. They've worked the upper body. But the problem is they've got skinny legs. They skip leg day. And I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, is come on, let's make sure Equipage Church doesn't skip leg day. Because what he said is, the up, I felt the Holy Spirit say is the upper body represents our corporate identity in terms of what we're doing in the world. But then he said the legs represent individual responsibility. And I felt the Spirit of God say, if you're to walk out your vision, you need strength in your legs. Do you know right now too many Christians are skipping leg day. They're putting the responsibility on somebody else, on an organization or a government, rather than taking responsibility for themselves. I want to say not equipers church. We don't skip leg day. We're not going to have skinny legs. Come on, God wants to empower us to walk out this vision He's given us. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Come on, I believe this is our hour, not to hold back, but to forge ahead in Jesus' name. And, and, and for us to do that, we're going to unlock creativity. And I want to say, when it comes to creativity, creativity is not just something you do or, or something you say. It's not just what you do. Creativity also includes how you do something. It's not just what, but, but it's how. 
It's how you say something. In fact, somebody can do the same thing and have two different outcomes. One can say it with heart and they can say it with meaning. Another person can say it dry. How many know that will bring about two different outcomes? And so creativity is not just what we do, it's how we do it. That's why Paul said to the church in, in Colossians, he said, he said, whatever you do, whatever you do it, do it with all your heart. I want to say in this season, let's make sure we be people who just do it with all of our heart. And as I said, when it comes to creativity, my definition of creativity again is creativity is finding answers in hidden places. Finding answers in hidden places. The answer is there. We just need to uncover it. The answer to the question we're asking, but guess what? Even the answer to the questions that we are not asking is there. And we just need to uncover those answers. Well, just quickly, today I want to take you to uh, Romans chapter 12. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. This well-known passage of Scripture. Some of you will be able to quote this off by heart. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Looking at verse 2, listen to this. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the removal. No, it doesn't say the removal of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, His good and pleasing and perfect will. I quickly want to take three words out of this passage. Uh, Three words, ready? The first word is conform. Second word is transform. Third word is renew. Conform, transform, renew. How how many here want to know what is God's perfect will for their life? I'd say we all want to know that. We all lift our hand to that. I want to suggest to you today that God's perfect will is not as connected to what we do. Oh, well, do I enroll in this course or do I enroll in this course? Some of us, we hover between two. We never make a decision. Oh, I want to know God's will. But I want to suggest God's will is not as connected to what we do as much as who we're becoming. It's more attached. Doing is secondary to being. Doing is secondary to being. When you are the right person, you'll do the right thing. And here it says, do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform. If you conform, guess what will happen? You'll lose your God-given creativity. You'll lose your God-given identity. Don't conform. Don't conform. To conform means to, to fashion and to shape into something like another. Don't conform. Don't respond like everybody in the world is responding. Don't conform to this pattern of the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That's metamorphosis or metamorpho is the Greek word. You know, it's it's the same, it's the same picture of a of a, a caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out as a, a butterfly. Be transformed into another form. Be transformed. Have a, have a metamorphosis. Be transformed by, by, this is how you transform, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing, or another word in the Greek, it can be applied by the renovating of your mind. Who's been involved in renovations? 
renovations. There's a lot of work to a renovation. I remember renovating my kitchen three years ago. And there's three rules when it comes to renovations that, that help you, you know, just guide you when it comes to your expectations. The first thing is renovations always take you longer than expected. Second rule of renovations is they always make a bigger mess than expected. And the third rule of renovations is that they always cost more than expected. <laughs> so that's renovation. And how are you and I transformed? We're transformed by the, the renovation of our, or the renewing of our mind. You know, today, if we want to unlock creativity, we need a mind makeover. That's what we're going to do right now, is we are going to have a mind makeover. That's right. Otherwise, if you don't have a mind makeover, you'll conform and you won't be transformed. I, I want to suggest our fight right now is not out there. It's not out there. It's not with the people that you don't agree with. Our fight right now is between our ears. The giants in a lot of places are in our head. And I was listening to a message just from Bill Johnson and I was curious because he happened to be speaking on creativity and I thought, man, we're in tune. And I like what he said. He said, our strength in spiritual warfare is no greater than our ability to control our thoughts. I'll say that again. Our strength in spiritual warfare is no greater than our ability to control our thoughts. Let's quickly just jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For though that we live in the world, we live in the world, yet we're all in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Come on, what is taking away your awareness of God? What, what mindsets has got you focused over here rather than attention on God? And it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, now we don't often think about our thinking. But whatever we dwell on shapes our behavior and determines our character. Whatever we think on. Come on, uh, let's make sure in these times where we don't create an imaginary world that we can escape to. But we use our imagination. We are using our imagination to change the world around us. Now, now recently I've been having problems with my car key battery. Not my car battery, but my car key battery. It keeps going flat. And, you know, normally it just takes a button a button to unlock it, a button, you put the key there and you push a button and the car starts. That, that's what it not normally happens. But, but there's been times where I can't get in the car and because I can't get in the car, I can't start the car and I can't go anywhere. Now, now what happens? The question is, what happens when the buttons you've been using don't work? Some of us right now, it's like I'm pushing the button and it's not working. It's not happening as it normally has. What do we do? Do we just resign to not using the car? Oh, well, I'll just sit back and I won't use the car. Or do we wait to get another new battery? Well, in today's world, that will take forever. Or do we find another way? See, I couldn't just sit there and not use the car. You know, 
there's a way to start the car without the button. If you push a button, a key flicks out. But first of all, I had to find where the key goes because on my door, there's no key. There's no, no place to put it. So I went on YouTube and I found that you've got to actually click off a plastic thing and under the plastic thing is a, a place that you can unlock the car. I'm going, wow, I'm learning something here. I never knew that was there. But because of the situation, it demanded that I search for new answers. And so I unlocked the car, but as soon as I unlocked the car, the immobilizer went off and the siren. And so what I had to quickly do was, you know, I had to look it up. I had to put the car key next to the steering column to turn off the immobilizer. And then I could push the button and start the car. But some of us right now, you know, we, we hit an obstacle when we're just resigned. Oh, well, I'm just going to stay at home. And we're paralyzed into doing nothing. But we don't look for new answers. I like what Steve Jobs said. Steve Jobs said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. The best way to predict the future is to create it. To create. Here's some thoughts I want to give you, leave with you today. To create the future, number one is we need to, out of 2 Corinthians 10, we need to take every thought captive. Question we need to ask ourselves is what thoughts are limiting us right now? Come on, think about your thinking. Where have those thoughts come from? And here this verse says, take every thought captive both positive and negative, every thought captive, take it captive. Could it be right now you're captivated by the wrong things? You've been distracted. You're captivated by all this other stuff. You let the algorithms of social media take you down some rabbit warrens. You're captivated by the wrong things. Come on, what's got your attention? I reckon a lot of people are distracted from the main thing in this season. Let's make sure we're not distracted. If you're a thief, if you're a good thief, what do you do? Is you create a distraction. You create a distraction. You will have a shop owner looking over here while you take something over here. Do you know the enemy's a good thief? And right now he's stealing from people and they don't even know it because they're distracted by menial things and they haven't seen things from God's perspective. Let's not be distracted. See, the question we've got to ask ourselves, are our thoughts taking us into God's purpose or are they taking us away from God's purpose? Here's a good list that you can filter your thoughts through. And Paul gives it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a good filter for our thinking right there. If it's not lovely, if it's not noble, if it's not pure, if it's not right, if it's not admirable, if it's not excellent, if it's not praiseworthy, hey, I'm not going to give my attention to those things. If If it's not on the list, it needs to be dismissed. It needs to be cast down. It needs to be abandoned. You know, so often our mind can go to many different places. If you've been for a health check, which I have, 
you know, many a times. And when you've been sick before, you know, if you go to a health check, you have all these questions, these thoughts that go through your mind. You think, oh, what if the diseases come back? Uh, what if I get a bad report? What if I have cancer and die? You get all these thoughts through, going through your mind. You know, who's going to give away my daughters? They better not choose a loser if I'm not around. You know, you have all these thoughts going through your mind as to what could and couldn't happen. It's like, what if, what if? We need to shut those thoughts down really quickly. It's like if you're flying in turbulence, if you're new to flying, you often freak out. Oh, what if the plane crashes? You know, once my plane got hit by lightning and everybody freaked out, really freaked out. The lady next to me was crying. The attendant came on and said, hey, the three rules of aviation is the first one is to aviate. The second one is to navigate. And the third one is to communicate. And she said, I've got nothing to communicate at this time, but in all my years of flying, I've never had this happen before. How many know that didn't bring calm? That got a lot of people even more freaked out, freaked out. But you know, when it comes to turbulence, you know, your mind can go many different places. What if this happens? What if this takes place? What if, what if? I love Psalm 112 verse six, where where it says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. The plane's shaken, but I'm not gonna be shaken. We'll be remembered forever. They will have, listen to this, they will have no fear of bad news. And their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look and triumph on their foes. In the end, we will triumph. See, many people today, they're living with what ifs. What if this lasts to Christmas? And it's all focused on on the negatives. What if we're never allowed to meet together? What if this takes place? What if, what if, what if? Let's not live with what ifs. Let's live with whatevers. Whatever comes my way, whatever comes my way, even if it's bad news, I don't need to fear being shaken. This plane is not going down. I have unfulfilled destiny. God's called me. God's chosen me. It's not saying that we won't have bad news, but when the bad news comes, it's saying when it arrives on my doorstep, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. You know, I like how the message puts it in 2 Corinthians, where it says, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse to the structure of a life shaped by God. Come on, let's bring our thoughts, every loose thought, emotion, and let's bring it into a life that's shaped by God. Number, the second thing is we need to teach them to obey Christ. In the natural, in the natural war, you take the enemy captive, and what happens is they become a prisoner of war. Here's what Paul, Paul's saying. I want you to take them captive, but don't just take them captive. But what I want you to do is take your enemies and teach them to obey Christ. I want you to take those renegade thoughts and I want, you to te- I want you to teach them to obey Christ. I want you to turn it around. I want you to take your, your foes, your negative experience of life. I want you to even take the natural limitations around your life right now. And I want you to teach them to serve God's purpose. Take those warring thoughts against you. 
take those renegade thoughts. Instead of them letting them war against you, you got to get them, turn them around, and this is creativity, this we're create, and get them to war for you. How do we do that? I, I reckon we do things like this. It's like, this happens when we start blessing our enemies. We, we start praying for those who persecute us. That's how we turn those around. See, the enemy right now, he wants to scatter and he wants to separate. But I want us to engage in a warfare that's not subject to the chaos of the moment. That's why we're doing Heart Week. What an opportunity, yeah, to bless our world, to bless the people in our world. Let's focus on that. There's a lot of people in need who need to know about Jesus as well. That's why we're also doing things like the fast, the 21-day fast. is because I'm believing during this fast, God's going to unlock creative strategy for the answers that we need. Come on, some of us are parents, and we're, we're raising a, a child that's struggling right now. We need a creative download that comes from God to be able to help our child reach their potential. You know, there might be a business person and it's like you don't see a way out of what you're in. But God wants to unlock creativity, a strategy that's gonna help you move forward. Maybe a lawyer, you're in a case you don't know how to win. But in a moment of prayer, in a moment of worship, your spirit's opened and you can download the wisdom of God. All as we need, what we need right now is we need the creative genius of God in our life. And one thing about God is I found God has strange ways of winning wars. You think about it. Sometimes he sent a musician out in front. You know, if you don't like the music team, you know, just send them out in front. They're going to die first. No, but that's how he'd win a war. Aaron and Ur, hands lifted up. While Aaron, uh, lifting up Moses' hand. While Moses' hand were lifted up, they won, marching around a city seven times and then shouting, won a war. See, in the end, a war. This is how a war is won. And this is how we're going to win the war we're up against because our war is not against flesh and blood. The way a war is won is through relation and, uh, relationship, trust, and obedience. And to inherit the kingdom of God, what do we need to do? We need to become childlike. And I'm gonna finish with this point. I'm not gonna get to number three. I'm gonna finish with this. Uh, um, and I was listening to this sermon from Bill Johnson who quoted Erwin McManus's book. And in Erwin McManus's book, he was quoting another book, if you get this, called uh, Breakpoint and Beyond. It's, it was released in 1992. And a study was done about creative genius. And what they did is they tested 1,600 kids. And it was a longitudinal study where they, they tested them at three to five years of age 10 years of age and 15 years of age for creative genius. Uh, people at, at three to five years of age, 98, do you know 98% of the kids tested between the ages of three and five came out as a creative genius. 98%, wow. Then they tested them later at 10 years old. And you know, at 10 years old, there was only 30% of the kids were creative genius. When they tested them at 15 years of age, only 10% were creative genius. 
Then what they did is they tested 280,000 adults, 280,000 adults. And do you know, only 2% came out as a creative genius. And the author concludes, he concludes in this book that non-creative behavior is learnt. Non-creative behavior is learnt. And it's learnt because so often we're governed by what other people think. We conform rather than being transformed. I want to say there's a five-year-old creative genius lurking on, the, <laughs> lurking on the inside of everyone listening to this who wants to break free. And if anybody could tap into that creative genius, surely it's believers because we are not just free, we are free indeed. And free is not just being unencumbered by sin. Freedom is the ability to think creatively. The greatest regrets people have in life is they allow their lives to be shaped by the opinions of others. I want to say in this season, let's excel in what we do. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique retina, parts of your body. Your tongue is unique. Do you know even the outline of your ear is unique? Yahoo apparently was going to do some, some things where you could put your phone to your ear and it would unlock your phone because the outline of your ear is unique to everybody else in the world. Your lips are unique. Well, that's if you haven't had any work done on them. But, you know, your lips are unique. Your, your, your voice is unique. Your, your toe, apparently your toe print is unique. Unlocking your phone with your toe would be different. But, but it's all unique. And you have a unique expression to the world. The third point, and I haven't got time, but is we're called to transform our world. And we don't need great wealth. Great wealth is not needed for creative expression, just intentionality. And we need to be intentional. I wonder what would happen if everybody made a decision today that every place that they go into, they're gonna leave it better than what they found it. I wonder what would happen today if each and every one of us were intentional about using words that are gonna encourage and build up. I wonder what would be released into the world. See, today it's easy to be caught up in what we can't do. It's easy to be caught up in the no's. No, you can't go out. No, you can't have a gathering. No, 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 no. No, you can't go to school. No, you can't have KFC. Well, that happened for a time. You know, it was all about the no's. No, no, no. Do you know, we get so caught up by the no's that we miss the yes of God. We get caught, no, no, no. But there's a yes. And we have an opportunity before us. Today, the no, no is really loud. But we might miss the yes that's speaking to the five-year-old creative genius. You know, if you're a parent, it's like when you say no, you use it with a raised voice. No, no, don't do that. And sometimes kids don't listen, so you go even louder. No, no, no. And the no becomes really loud. How many know a kid doesn't need a loud yes? You just need to whisper yes. And now off, they're running. Let's not miss the whisper of the yes. Let's not be defined by the no's around us that we miss what God is doing. Too many people just focus on what they've been saved from and that's amazing, that's a testimony. 
But a lot of people are crippled because they haven't understood what they're saved to. And I want us in this season to allow God to fill our thoughts. Fill our thoughts. Here's a thought, big thought. Is our thoughts are either freeing others or they're enslaving us. I'll say that again. Haven't got time to expand. But our, our thoughts are either freeing others or they are enslaving us. Come on, let's think thoughts that are gonna unlock that creative potential that lies inside each and every one of us. Right now, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about your thinking. Let's think about our thinking right now. What's been governing your mind? Because our life goes in the direction of our thoughts. Are they God thoughts? Are they filled with His agenda? Or we been distracted on by other things? Come on, that tension. I really believe there's tension in people's lives and there's tension in homes. God wants to release that tension. He wants to come and bring peace and joy and hope into your situation. And right now we set our mind, God, we set our mind. We make a decision to set our mind on the things that are above. Today, give us a heavenly viewpoint. Let us not be concerned with just what's right in front of us. Lord, we thank You, God. You see the end from the beginning. And I pray, Lord, where people have been caught by the no, Lord, I pray they'll be gripped by the yes. When it comes to Your promises, they are yes and they are our amen. Lord, today we declare our destiny is not on hold. We're not holding back, but we're forging ahead. We thank You that You make a way where there's no way and that You have answers for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Just right now, while everyone's listening, maybe you're tuned in today, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. Friend, the Creator of the universe wants a relationship with you. How cool is that? But the only way He can relate with you and I is when we acknowledge our sin because it's our sin that separates us from God. Here's the good news. Jesus came. He paid the price of our sin, died on the cross. He didn't just die. He rose again, conquering sin and death once and for all so that we might know God, so that we might have a relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about knowing God in your heart of hearts. The God of the Bible is a God who doesn't just deal with our behavior. First, He deals with our heart. And right now, you know, our hearts can be crippled and filled with many different things that limit us. In fact, a lot of us see our future through our past. But Jesus dealt with our past. And He did it so He could unlock our future. In fact, Jesus said Himself, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. Friend, if you don't know what it is to have a a personal living relationship with Jesus. He's just a prayer away. And it's our faith that gets us right with God. How about just praying this prayer today? Dear Jesus, today I make a decision to put my trust in You. I acknowledge what You did on the cross, paying the price for my freedom. Today I give my heart to You. Come live in me. 
Today I make a decision to live for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.